Welcome to another episode of Shay's Pretty Skinny. Of course, I'm Shay, and we're doing everything but keeping it cute. Today, I want to take a moment to have a little conversation about learning and unlearning. Is it necessary to have both in order to create new habits in your life? But of course, before I do that, you know I got to talk about some food. If you had a chance to see on the Facebook page about the uh, spicy tofu sandwich, I used to call it the spicy chicken, right? Um, But either way, it's still banging, okay? Um, For the first time, I actually tried um, storing the tofu patties that are already um, coated with the flour seasoning is what I'm gonna call it. So I don't know how you do it, right? But my family's from the South and I watched my mom frying um, fish and chicken, anything that needed to be fried, right? She would put the seasoning, she'd do her flour and then she'd put seasoning in the flour. And that flour would go into like a grocery bag, right? You go to the store, you get just a regular plastic bag from the grocery store or from Walmart or whatever. And she put it in there and then she'd dump all the meat in there and then she'd like shake it around to coat it and boom, she would fry it, right? That's just how I remember it. And to be honest with you, when I say seasoning, my mom had like a real good knack for seasoning with um, just black pepper and salt. I remember when I started using other things like um, garlic and um, paprika, things like that. And um, my mom's like, who needs all of that? Well, uh, she just never cooked with that. She had bought a whole bunch of stuff after a while, right? But then I had gone over there and I was trying something of hers. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is so great. Like, what did you use? And she's like, just the salt and pepper. I kid you not, to this day, I still cannot, I can't season like that with just salt and pepper. But I do actually make a flour seasoning and it's the same flour seasoning that I've been making for years when I was frying chicken. Except now I use it for like my tofu nuggets and um, tofu patties when I make the spicy chicken sandwich, right? So basically, I mean, if you like Chick-fil-A or Cane's, like Cane's is okay, but if you like Chick-fil-A, then you'll definitely like this. I'm not gonna give away my flour seasoning recipe yet, I don't think, but it just has like this mild hint of spiciness to it. But if you like the, um, the flour seasoning on your chicken or what you use to fry, then you're definitely still gonna like it on the tofu. I do suggest getting extra firm tofu though, because to me the consistency is going to be better and if you want it to it's like if you're trying to fool people right um (laughs) you don't want them to know they're having tofu the best way to do that especially with the consistency of it if you want it to look like a chicken patty um you want to freeze it right so you're going to freeze extra firm tofu leave it in there just for a day in the freezer and then go ahead and thaw it out and then you're just gonna you know cut it however you want however thick or however thin and then you're gonna coat it with the um, flour seasoning. I like to let mine sit for a little bit so I know that it's soaking into my tofu just a bit, right? And it creates this nice little crust or whatnot. So I'll do that and um, I'll let them sit for like an hour or whatever before I throw them in the grease. Now, what kind of grease am I using? I love me some avocado oil, but I usually try to mix the oil. So I will have a little bit of vegetable oil and I'll mix that with some avocado oil or olive oil. And you have to be careful because definitely without olive oil, it burns. 
and the type of olive oil you need to use as well. And if you're um, frying in coconut oil, same thing. Um, I don't know. I can't remember if I like it refined or not. I haven't fried with coconut oil in so long. But there's one that I do like. It takes better than the other for me. But if you do this correctly, I mean, the crust on it, nothing's going to be falling off. It's going to be so great. And that tofu patty with the flour seasoning is the key, okay, to your sandwich situation or whatever you're doing. Like I said, I, use, I do tofu nuggets as well. And I still like to make my own sauce. And so when I put that sandwich together, oh, my other thing is, okay, let me tell you. Let me tell you the cheat code, okay, the cheat code. I personally like to put avocado on my sandwiches. I've been eating avocado for years. When they were popular, when they're not popular, I like it. Um, and it's mostly because I like guacamole, right? Um, but if I'm going to put it on my sandwich, I used to slice it or, um, you know, make little slices or whatever and put it on there. But now I've decided to do it more like a spread. So I will go ahead if I need spice, right? Then I'm just going to put like a little cayenne or I might dump some, um, smoked paprika in there for that flavor, that smoked flavor. I'll do that. Mix it with some Greek yogurt. Okay. Especially if you're not using mayonnaise or Miracle Whip. You can mix it with Greek yogurt. You know, it doesn't need to be a ton unless you're just going to make this spread, you know, for now and later. I do that. I'll put a little seasoning in there like I like it. And then, boom, I'll spread it on one side of the sandwich. And I'm such a greedy one, okay, because I'm spreading half of an avocado onto my sandwich. And I mean, it's just on one side. Now, I'm not a mustard person. I can eat mustard. I will eat mustard. But if I want that tangy taste... And that's pretty much what I have mustard for. Then I'm getting pickled um, onions or I'm going to make my own pickled onions. Let's do that in advance. Um, and that gives me that, that little zing to it, I guess, if you want to say. Um, let's see. What else do I put? I definitely put tomatoes. I definitely put romaine lettuce on there. I don't like regular iceberg lettuce that much, so I use romaine. Um, if I can't get the spicy from like a seasoning if I don't put that in the avocado spread then I'll usually go ahead and do like a banana pepper slice that up and then put it throughout the middle of the sandwich that way every time I'm taking a bite I have some I love spicy um what else do I do oh or pepper jack right I try not to eat so much cheese because oh my gosh I have an issue with inflammation or whatever and then it'll be causing mucus and so I don't like that it's quite a nuisance and so I do try to limit how much dairy um I used to love milk when I was a little kid and then over time I don't know what happened I just started hating milk even um what is that the D milk or whatever um I definitely love love loved it with cookies uh chocolate chip Oreos okay did that definitely ate a lot of cereal um brownies anything that was like sweet I wanted to have milk with it and then it just became something I didn't like. I don't know. It started, the consistency, it started tasting thick. I also kind of had like um, a moment of it being ruined with uh, a book, uh, The Diet, A Diet for a New America. And that book was written by an heir to the Baskin Robbins throne, the ice cream joint, right? 31 flavors. Um, if you're not in the USA, it's just something that was very big. At least when I was a kid, I remember that in the 80s. Um, to me, it's in like a very big name regarding ice cream. And my mom definitely bought me a couple of those ice cream cakes from there. 
So that's how it entered my life. But yeah, he started describing some things that were just like a turn off. You know how people tell you about how meat is processed and all of that. And you're like, okay, thank you. Thank you for the information. Keep that to yourself because I'm still going to eat it. Right. And that's how I felt then about ice cream or whatever. Um, he kind of goes through the process of um, the milk and how they do it. And he just mentioned that like there will be uh, the cow's menstrual cycle or whatnot does come out in the milk and then there can be bleaching in that so the color of milk is not actually white that is manipulated right um and he just goes through some things that really turn you off so if you're a reader and you're into that and i'm pretty sure there's a bunch of like netflix stuff too about how food is processed but that book really changed my life in high school do i still have cheese and ice cream yes i do not as often though and i definitely don't have a craving for it right and i just don't like getting like oh i'll tell you one thing i will not eat i don't like um what's that like those craft cheese slices that's that's not the get down i like a block of cheese okay that crumbles <laughs> and you slice it I like that cheese, so I think uh, Sargento's really good with that. But if you ask me, the best cheese on the planet, a brand, is going to be Tillamook. Oh my gosh, and do not play with the back label, baby. That white sharp cheddar will make you slap your mama. <laughs> okay, and then um, this time I had rye. When I make grown folk sandwiches, that's what I call it, grown folk sandwiches, because when I finish eating a sandwich, I need to feel full and I need not be hungry like the next hour. I really got into grown folk sandwiches after I had eaten at Pepper Mill in Las Vegas, Nevada in the United States. Um, it's a great place. It's a diner. Sometimes it does feel like walking into the 50s, but the amount of food that they give you is phenomenal. The customer service is exquisite. Um, I love the people because everybody's from everywhere. And then if you sit at the uh, bar, like at the counter so again it's a diner so you sit at the counter you can actually see the food being made and everything and everything coming out so if you've never eaten there before and you don't have a large party it's just you or it's just you and your boo yes this is one of those places where I've gone alone um but if it's just you and you and your boo then you want to sit at the counter and that way you can see all the food coming out and then you can see what it looks like and what you want to try but if you have a group or a family um, you can sit in the booths and then they come around and they take pictures and stuff like that and you can get one of the pictures before you leave. So if you're doing the tourist thing and, and you're into that, then go for it. But otherwise, you have a phone, take your own photo. Boop, boop. Anyway, well, it won't have the pepper mill, you know, logo and all of that. Some things you do just for nostalgia, right? But um, that's that. Anyway, anywho, I just was so glad that I found it successful actually storing the patty so then all I have to do and I used um, parchment paper so to separate them like separate each patty I use parchment paper so then I just bring it out boop and I pop it in there it's really quick to do so it saved my life today because I was just really thinking what am I gonna have and then I remembered that I have those patties in there so I didn't really have to get down and dirty today anyway sandwich was popping and don't even talk about oh my gosh I wonder if that Chipotle sauce would be banging on there. Anyway, anyway, let's get into it. Let's get into it. You guys get me, you know, I get into the food and it gets crazy. But um, I, I was talking with someone about like breaking generational curses and things like that and how things can change, right? 
Like there's a lot of unlearning that has to happen. And someone's like unlearning. And I, cause I, I believe that you should always be learning something. There's always something to learn. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to apply it to your life, right? But you may learn something that you want to apply to your life. So I tend to stay in the thinking of what I learn affects what I know and what I know affects what I do, right? So it's just like this chain reaction deal. But I don't think we put enough focus like on unlearning. I remember um, being a kid and my family is one that definitely believes in giving spankings, right? Um, sometimes with when people tell those stories about, oh, I had to go outside and get a switch. I don't, I've never had to go outside and get my own switch, but I definitely been whipped with a switch. Like they braid, they take three uh, twigs or whatever and they braid it and usually it's like a thin thing right the thin it whips so hard it hurts it's a very stingy thing right um a belt extension cords paddles i grew up in an era where um the principal was able to give you three licks with a, a paddle a wooden paddle um if you had gotten in trouble and yes i have been on the receiving end of one of those for putting my hands on somebody this little boy he pulled my hair and um, I used to get in trouble for like losing my barrettes and things like that. And I had really long hair. My mom would press it out and straighten it. So um, it was very important that I returned home with the same hairstyle intact and all of my barrettes um, that I left with that day. I don't know. I guess maybe he had a crush on me. That's what people would say. That's a whole nother segment because I don't understand how a little boy hitting on me is supposed to affirm that he has a crush or that he likes me. Like if we were 30 years old and he was hitting on me, it would be called abuse. So, but I'm not going to go there. Anywho, I was not one to like those type of things. However, I was a tomboy growing up. I was a tomboy until about mm, 11th grade, I think. I think 11th grade, I started trying to be a little more feminine. But yeah, I was a tomboy until about that time, 11th grade of um, high school. I liked playing with the boys, not because like I thought they were cute or anything. I liked the challenge for some reason. It seemed like all the girls never wanted to play any of the games, but the boys did. And so I liked ripping and running around with the boys, climbing trees and stuff like that is what I did. I grew up in the South and so it was just a little more free. I didn't grow up in the city. It was, it was really cool though. I missed it a lot. When I did move to the city, it was very different moving to the West Coast, but um. I just remember those things and then we get in trouble right so if you did get in trouble and you broke any rules then you would get a spanking right um and i mean i think it seemed pretty fair like my mom was pretty upfront about you know why you would get in trouble and um issuing that spanking or whatever right but my mom has like super heavy hands as a matter of fact the first time that i went to therapy was before I was five years old, because it's before I went to kindergarten. Um, my family is one that um, believes in spanking. So my mom grew up with that. My mom's mom grew up with that, you know, and her dad. And, and it's just generational. That's what they know about um, spanking, which some people would, would classify that and put it right under corporal punishment. If you're looking at like Title 22 regulations and stuff like that, um, it would fall under there. Uh, I remember having some difficulty and needing to go to therapy with my mom. Like my mom was a screamer and a yeller, right? I guess it was so bad. 
um, that I was very nervous, right? It, um, I would just be very jumpy, very nervous, and it was difficult to respond. And then I was getting spankings as well. And I remember one time, it was really, really, really bad. It was so bad because I still hadn't gone to school yet. But my mom, what she would do, I guess you could call that a little bit of homeschooling. Um, she bought me this desk. Um, if you were around in the 80s, they had these little desks that you could lift up and it had like a little compartment. Um, and then it had like a magnetic board and you could get the ABCs, one, two, threes, right? And um, she would do spelling on there and everything. Wanted me to know basic words, learn my name because of, um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of school birthdays, but some people have school birthdays because depending on when your birthday falls in the year, um, depends on when you can enroll in school. And mine was such that my birthday was had already passed or it would be too late. Um, actually, the school year started before I turned age five. And so therefore, I would have to wait until the following school year. And so my mom didn't want me to be behind. And um, I remember getting one of those. But before I could do anything for the day, um, I had to do school stuff. And I hated it. I hated how long I had to sit there. I hated going through that because like everybody's, first of all, I'm the only one doing this is what I thought, even though everyone else was at school. So it wasn't like I could go outside and play. I still had to wait for everyone to get home from school. And when I was growing up, kindergarten was an all day affair. Um, when I had my own kids though, I saw that kindergarten was a half day. I don't know if it's because the number of children in the class and so maybe they couldn't accommodate, but there would be AM and PM sessions. So, um, I do remember the incident. It was like I was getting a spanking and it, it was with an item and I want to say it was a belt and, um, I ended up having bruises to the point that like it was bleeding. Like I laid down on my pillow and there's blood on my pillow. And I just remember us going to, um, therapy after that to kind of just like work through things. And they did some play therapy with me. I remember drawing pictures and stuff like that. Now, I didn't get a lot of, of hands-on treatment, hands-on experiences is what I call it. I didn't get a lot of that, right? But when I did, it was very major. Like I got punched in my face before, like with a fist. Um, that, that was when I got choked out, like the hands around my neck before. Um, yeah, yeah. So it could, it could definitely go there. Um, and then of course I have my own children, right? So we're talking about generational things. And I did start with spankings with my oldest, but as I had each child, I don't know, by my second child, especially in the middle, she was a very timid child, right? And um, also I had some problems with my oldest. We didn't get along very well and we were going to therapy. And the therapist explained to me, she was just like, you know, I understand that that's you know what you know and that's what you came from but you know at the age like she's a preteen and so then giving spankings is something that's gonna create animosity or whatever between the two of you and I didn't really listen that much or whatever but over time I'm like okay well let me try something new because this is just like not really working and then my second kid um, I could just say something to her like, oh, I'm very disappointed in you. I can't believe that you would not tell the truth. You know, like, I don't understand what's going on here. And then she would just start crying and all of those things. She and my oldest had their own dynamic. So maybe some of that played into it, but um, that's when I really like, okay. So she's already breaking down before we even get to that point, right? Um, so when I was doing spankings, I also trying to 
like be safe and um, not harm my children, there was like this three lick rule, right? And so you had to make sure that your bottom was exposed, not like naked, not that, but you know, that you're gonna get your three licks on your bottom and then we move on, right? Um, that just still didn't work at all. By the time my last kid was born, my third kid, it was uh, very obvious to me it was important to talk, right? My third kid is very much like me, very stubborn, uh, very curious. Um, I'm going to say loves to debate, okay? There's a lot of whys and very observant as well. And so I was like, okay, this is not a kid that you could just tell things because then we're like talking for 30 minutes as to why and why and why. This is a kid who needs options. And so that's how I would parent with her. Like these are, you have two options. You could do this or you could do that. And then she would need to choose which one she's gonna do. And that worked a lot better than, all right, we're doing this, da 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 I mean, and she was just, yeah, she was pretty much on it. She analyzed things way too much when she was younger. But it also, you know, came in good things. But it was something that um, I actually appreciated, right? Because once you think about it, with spankings at least, I was thinking, what sense does it make for me to tell my child, don't hit me? It was when my, it was when my daughter started hitting me back, my second kid, right? Started hitting me back that I was just like, no, don't hit me. But that doesn't make sense, right? So she hit me because I was doing something that she didn't like. She was angry with me. So she reached over, boom, and she slapped my hand. Just the same thing that I would do to her right? Because that's what she's understanding. That's the behavior she understands. Mom has been displeased. Mom is angry with me. She slaps me on my hand. I'm angry with mom and I want her to know that I'm going to slap her on her hand. But I'm telling a two-year-old, hey, you don't hit your mom. So it kind of puts you into thinking, even though we don't give our kids that credit, right? It still puts you in the thinking as a kid. I would say, why do you get to hit me when you're angry, but I'm not supposed to hit you? Like, I don't understand. Then why are you hitting me, right? I started reasoning it from that point. So no, it didn't make sense. And it's like, okay, well, I'm going to need to be a great negotiator and be able to use my words, especially with my second kid. Again, like I said, she just, um, it didn't take a lot with her. It didn't take screaming with her. Um, it just really took a good talking to and then it put her into these negative feelings. So I thought that was just a good experience. But what did it require for me? It required some unlearning, right? Because we don't always just start doing something different. It could definitely like go deeper than that. Um, very much deeper than that. Like, if you do an upgrade to your phone or whatever, you just go in there, you go into the general settings, boom, the upgrade is available. You know, you wait for the download and then you have something new. Your phone looks new. In this case, when we're talking about human behavior and changing those things that are so ingrained within, right, from our childhoods and things of that sort, it's not going to be exactly the same thing. It's not just an upgrade. So yeah, you're learning things and maybe you're adding things to your toolbox, but there are probably things that you need to remove as well from your toolbox, right? Things that contradict all the new things that you're learning. And so maybe there's just um, innate behaviors, right? Like you're not necessarily consciously trying to react or act that way, 
but it's something innate in you. So if those behaviors don't match the new uh, concept, activity, belief, uh, ethics that you're taking in that you want to actually express, then there's going to be some type of unlearning involved in that process, right? Um, like with our habits and beliefs, it's been our whole lives, right? Our whole lives acquiring a taste for something all that time that you're growing up in your childhood. And so deciding to even tackle that, the inner work, that's what I talk about a lot with the unapologetic empire, the inner work, because we like to think, oh, this is so great and reaching my best self is so great, but it's not for the faint of heart, okay? Um, it can even be a lifetime of work. That's how I view it. Just when I think, okay, I'm over this hurdle because I used to be like, okay, I'm healed from that, right? But does it mean that none of those circumstances are going to come up? Of course not. It doesn't mean that. It does mean that you develop the tools, though, to address those things in the future, right? So you're always, in my opinion, it's not a place of arrival. You're always on this path of, of healing and healing others, right? And your healing does affect other individuals. It's why I love to talk about self-love self-actualization, compassion, because until you're a whole person, you're not really able to share that with everyone else. Um, and I speak from that, from personal experience, that's just how I felt. Um, and so I always say that. Um, we have bad habits. We have things that we just do just because, um, things that we learned, right? It may not even make any sense. And then you might ask someone who goes, well, that's how we've always done it, right? There's these multi-generational and like historical things that happen too. So areas that we grow up in, there's our um, ancestral lineage, um, there's the way that we think, our brain wiring, right? And then there's people outside of you and things that you learn. So at first you may not know anything different than what's going on in your family. Let's say you go to school, you meet another family, they may do things differently. That's new information being pumped into your world, right? So then are you unlearning or is that just something that, hey, this is information I don't necessarily have to um, apply it in my life, right? So when we're unlearning something, we're recognizing and accepting that a change needs to happen. That's where that first process even comes in. Like, okay, I have taken a look at myself, right? I'm deciding that either I want to continue or don't want to continue that. And then it's like, okay, so that's the acceptance, right? If I don't want to continue it, then it's a change that needs to happen. Um, that process, though, can be more difficult than we anticipated, especially when we start digging a little deeper. So we have to look at sources where we're going to get new knowledge, right? How will we be inspired to make this change? What do we even want this change to look like? That's where self-help books come from. Um, now we have the age of the internet, right? So there's videos on YouTube and then there's people who offer courses and then there's uh, classes that you can attend. There's workbooks like the shadow book thing. There's mentoring. There's all these resources where you can go through this unlearning and then a learning process, right? To erase and um, overwrite the data that you're already working with, right? So in that way, I guess you could look at it like a computer overwriting a program, but just not as easy because there's responses to those emotions 
And um, for example, when I'm talking about deciding not to spank my children, you know, it's a conversation that I have to have with my mother as well, because my mom is used to spanking individuals. So it's like, hey, I don't spank my children. And so if there's a problem, then you have to consult me or we have to establish some rules by which like, these are the things that I would like to be done. And this is how I would like my kids to be disciplined. And sometimes it was not uh, favorable. You know, it'd be like, come get these kids or you need to go with your mom <laughs> because you know, that's just not how my mom was used to um, disciplining children. But even at the same time, when I first introduced the concept of, hey, I don't want to spank my kids anymore, it was like I was offending my mom, almost like I was saying that she had done something wrong with me while I was being raised. And I never even thought about it that way. I never thought that it would be something um, that would be offensive. So that's what I mean by those ancestral things, right? Um, and then there there's new information that comes up and those things may unravel other family experiences. So definitely, definitely, definitely not for the faint of heart, okay? The process that you wanna go through, and, and sometimes we even feel guilty about the processes that we're going through. We feel fed up with going through the new thing or trying to establish this new behavior, exhibit this new behavior, right? So it's important that you understand that there's going to be this gradual weakening of your conditioned responses, right? So over time, you stop doing something and then you're consistently doing another thing. And maybe for a time, you're doing both of those things, right? You might look under somebody, oh, let me see what example can I give? Maybe like, well, I grew up in the church, right? My mom was taking me to church. Uh, my grandma was involved in church. My, my grandparents... Uh, my mom's friends were involved in church, so my, my aunt, and then we, even when we moved to the West Coast, church was still a thing, right? So I grew up in the church. And so then I guess you could think of it like, um, backsliding. I hate to use that word, but you know, you're learning something new. You're feeling something inside. You're feeling like a change needs to be made, right? And you want to make that change. However, you're not used to exhibiting that behavior or participating. And there's some things that you may have to eliminate from your life experience, right? Well, it's not going to go cold turkey, just like smoking, right? This, the, these are things that have become normal part of the routine in your life. And so you have to actually work on removing that thing or adjusting that routine so for a time somebody might be looking on it's like oh well they said they're going to church they said they're saved but i saw them at the bar the other day well if you've gone to the bar every day to meet up with your friends and your friends aren't going to church and they're still meeting up at the bar it, it may be a conflict it may not it may need something to be some unlearning are you gonna have to get new friends those are all processes that are not accounted for, right, with the change. And so those changes can become very, very, very frustrating because there's all these residual things happening. There's all these cause and effect things happening, not just, oh, snap my finger and I'm going to make the change. So even though we're learning new things, I think we need to highlight a little bit more that, yes, unlearning is a process that we still need to go through and it holds more importance than we give light to, right? It's a process that requires patience when you're shifting things in your life and you have to be able to take a step backward in order to take two steps forward, right? And sometimes it feels like you're getting knocked backward, right? You make progress, 
Um, like when I'm in the group with the ladies, I know, especially if we're talking about certain types of relationships with family or intimate partners, we end those relationships, right? And we may meet new friends, new coworkers, new uh, potential partners. And you're like, oh my gosh, this person is just like the last person. I thought I healed from this. And it's not that you haven't healed or you haven't developed the tools to address it. I think that we feel as though, okay, I conquered that thing and I'm never gonna see that appear in my life experience again. And with so many people, especially if you're interacting with people, you will see behavior in the future or in the present that you remember from the past. That will happen. We don't get to control people's behaviors, right? So it's important for us to be able to, to take a step back and kind of look at things and, and assess how we want to move forward right not to live in the past and stay in the past because i i talk about that too sometimes we're so focused on the behaviors that um happened before it's hard for us to move forward and invite things new things that are that have nothing to do with that behavior we experienced before so we're holding on to that and when we're holding on to something from the past we can't accept anything else we can't open our arms up right if we're holding two bags of groceries from the past then you're not going to be able to get that five course meal that someone's just trying to give to you right because they feel that you deserve it you're already holding a bag of groceries they're spoiled they're rotten it's not what you want to have but for some reason it's still a bag of groceries right um so that's important to understand as well when you're attempting to perceive things differently those beliefs and biases i mean they're at the core and then you have to figure out what's fueling that right is that are you wanting to change the root of what's fueling those fueling those behaviors beliefs and biases right or are there just certain aspects of the belief that you want to address or that you want to change. I also like to talk about um, when other people are living a life that does not resonate with you, right? It could be someone's an alcoholic and you don't believe uh, that people should drink alcohol, right? So you're not gonna associate with that individual. It could be that someone uh, lives a life where their partner is the same sex and you don't believe that people should have same-sex partners or interracial relationships or interreligious inter relationships, right? That's just what you believe. Now, does it mean that you can't interact and there's no other thing that could be common between you? My personal opinion is no. I met too many people to understand that. At the core, like our human experiences are so much similar and um, the emotions that we experience are exactly the same. And some of the same events actually ignite the same emotions, right? So there's a lot of things that we can talk about and resonate with. It's just some things that we don't. Um, fear and discomfort is what I would say causes the most discrimination, fear and discomfort. So I'm not comfortable with how you live. It's not okay for me. Well, that's okay to say. It doesn't have to it doesn't have to be I don't like you. It can be the way that you're living life is not something that I'm a, like I'm attracted to. But most times the way that we're living life becomes a point of contention and judgment for the individual, right? Like then you can't be a good person because I'm a good person living my life this way and you're not a good person because you're not living your life in the same way. And as a good person, I would never live my life that way, you know? So it can be like that sometimes. 
Um, again, it's why I tell a radical message of self-love because at the end of the day, I don't care where you come from, whether you're religious or not religious, free will, free will. It was given. I definitely didn't give it to anyone. It was given to me. And so therefore, I definitely don't have the authority to take it away. And I think sometimes I hate to pick on my Christian friends, but I think sometimes my Christian friends forget that free will does exist and it has been given. And everyone's not going to choose, you know, to, to be you and do what you want to do. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that they're a horrible person. It doesn't mean that we should burn people at the stake. It doesn't mean that we should deny people health care. It doesn't mean that we should deny people their basic human rights. It just doesn't mean that, um, in my opinion. Okay. There's so many things that we have that are alike, especially when we start to alienate um, people withdraw or they're being isolated. Those emotions, whether I agree with your lifestyle or not, what happens mentally and physically, emotionally is very, very, very similar, no matter what these other variables are in our lives, okay? So, um... You'll discover that we have these assumptions, right, that we bring to the table, um, things that trigger us, things that um, I don't think we can win with me, right? I don't think that I can be around you in this space. Again, trigger. And it's important that you know your triggers. It's important that you know what makes you feel good, right, what comforts you, what calms you down. But it's also important to know what angers you, what annoys you. Um, what irritates you with the individuals because there's a limit to that and what you can do and then what if it's family so there's just situations that you're not going to be able to avoid instead we're just going to have to go through this process right and it also involves being able to stand up for yourself okay um usually when we want to learn something new or unlearn something it has a greater reward than what we are already practicing or what we already know like That's our motivation for that. But what if it doesn't? What if it doesn't? What if, like, say, I was encouraged that I don't let anybody touch me in my, like, I don't need anyone to come into my personal space. If someone breaks the personal space and I define my personal space by sticking out my arm, right? And so at the end of my hand is my personal boundary. And if someone enters that personal boundary, I have the right to feel threatened and I have a right to respond to that. If, I am, if I'm feeling like I'm unsafe, my safety is being threatened, then I have a right to respond, which in my case growing up, it was to fight, right? I have a right to do that. So then um, becoming like a Christian, baptized Jehovah Witness, I went through all of those things. And that's not to be talked about right now. Maybe we'll get into those experiences like some other time. But going through that, now I, I need to be a peaceful person, a person that turns the other cheek, right? I told you guys I grew up in the church. So a person who t- turns the other cheek. And to me, the way it was explained, turning the other cheeks means I can't put my hands on anybody, even if they're putting their hands on me and harming me, right? Um, I even had debate or I would have concern about... Um, I went through a phase of just searching things, right? And in in some churches and in some doctrines, like no matter what, even if your husband is physically your spouse's, and I I don't want to say husband, I guess I just read, see again, there's those things that are innate in us because I'm a woman, I automatically say husband. But because your partner is 
physically abusing you it's not a reason for you to divorce or leave the relationship and then there are other doctrines that support leaving the relationship but not remarrying right and then yet there are other um, doctrines that support leaving the relationship getting a divorce so breaking the cord right from the individual and um, and that's gonna be the thing so it's like hey I was able to fight back before now I have to learn how to defend myself so there's not necessarily like immediately I'm not seeing the reward right I need to defend myself and now I'm in a position that I can't use the tools and techniques that I'm I'm used to and so I'm feeling like okay someone's gonna overpower me it's feeling like a loss rather than a reward but why do we do it because we're submitting to a set of uh, standards right for a lifestyle when I say the doctrine a set of standards the Ten Commandments those things okay so these are the rules that I have to abide by to be an active member of this community and then you have those like they maybe they stay in those communities for a lifetime and then there are those who do not and so then there's this extinction of you know this growth there's again this unlearning I like to think that every time we're learning something new and making progress in our lives we can see that as an evolution right something that's going to be happening over time right may not take as long as the world does but for us there's these steps that we go through and then there's this implementation of it and then there's this realization of seeing it in our lives every day until it becomes a habit for us it becomes our representation to the world um I think it's something definitely to think about. And again, like I said, we just don't put enough importance on the unlearning process. And I think if we did, we find ourselves in a space where we could be open to other people's life experience without feeling like um, we're giving a head nod to it or having to adopt it into our own. And the current climate too, and I do understand, a lot of people express that they feel like there's lifestyles that are being forced upon them. Like their free will is definitely being overshadowed, overpowered, and taken away. So I do understand um, that side of the argument as well. With, uh, what's his name? Toffler. He says, um, the illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who cannot read and write, but those who cannot learn, unlearn, and relearn. And like I said, um, whatever I learn affects what I know and what I know affects my representation to the world. It affects what I do, how I act and how I treat other people. So I definitely like to continue this conversation more. When you come over to the unapologetic empire, I definitely like that, right? We kind of like get into a little bit of it here and then there's a little bit more meat there. But what I like is there's a community of women Sorry, guys, if you're listening, but there's a community of women getting together and discussing these things. And we're all at different levels in the experience. Right. I facilitate my circles on Sundays at 12 noon Central Standard Time. Okay, Um, but there are other circles as well. um, And I there's a financial circle on Wednesdays. We have what I like to call a coaching circle. On, um, so if you're if you have any small businesses or you're looking 
to start a small business some dynamic women who attend that circle it's on mondays and then um there's the patriarchy and unlearning a lot of these things that go deep with our ancestral our generational experiences um and that happens on saturdays and then i like to say my spiritualist guru type person connecting to the universe and um the environment around you is going to be um, Lisa on Tuesday. So Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, there's all meetings at different times on those days. And then we like to meet um, once a month, all of us get together in, in one forum in a live session and we're able to answer questions and have an open discussion with everyone there. Um, what I am excited about is dropping the group, boop, 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 because the men have been asking, okay, asking. Um, about it so I'm excited about dropping that group okay it just was created actually today so I'm celebrating for that and I'm having a co-ed experience as well so I think that's gonna be great especially when we start talking about I don't do a lot of talking about relationships because you know I'm single um, and I you know date here and there but it's not something that's like consistently a part of my life right so um, I really don't talk about topics of relationship. So we're gonna be making that pivot and transition as well and relationship topics will be up for discussion. It will be a private group because I want the space to be a safe space and I want people to be able to be vulnerable and not feel attacked by anyone. And then I want us to be able just to um, really be transparent and talk about issues that men and women have on their mind okay so look out for that and it'll have a separate um we'll talk about it but look out for that um on the page we'll go ahead and um promote that as well so you guys can start jumping in there and asking questions and that will be a great way for people to connect and for me to connect with the audience i'm so excited about it i cannot wait to do it um but think about that, the unlearning. Again, I always appreciate you being here and taking the time out for yourself, not for me, but for yourself and where you see yourself and where you see your mental picture in the future because what you're doing today is creating that, that manifestation, okay? What you do today is bringing that mental picture to life. And so congratulations to you. I'm always glad for your time and your energy. Thank you for pouring into me. And as a result, I'm gonna give that right back to you. All my love, light, and I wish everyone abundance. People always think financials, but you can have an abundance of peace, an abundance of love, an abundance of self-compassion. And so live life more abundantly. Thank you for joining Shades Pretty Skinny. And uh, let's go ahead and do everything but keep it cute on the next episode.